Hey there, homies. Welcome to another episode of the Stuff I Don't Like podcast featuring candid conversations about modern society. Please do me a huge favor and follow us on Twitter and IG, both at underscore stuff I don't like, and also subscribe, rate, and review in the podcast app. For a complete listing of where you can listen to the Stuff I Don't Like podcast, please visit stuffidontlike.net. New episodes of the show are posted every Sunday at 9.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Now, let's get it started. Hey guys, so recently I was asked to moderate a panel for International Women's Day that highlighted female entrepreneurs at Tom Shoes. I co-moderated the panel with Katie, who hosts Swipe Right Podcast. She's been a guest on the show several times, so you might recognize her voice. And what you're about to listen to is a live recording of that panel. I hope you enjoy it. I hope it inspires anyone who's out there looking to get into entrepreneurship and create their own business and I hope you all take action steps whatever your goal is it might be a business it might be a podcast whatever you're trying to do in life that you take daily steps to make that goal in a reality so let's get to it um, okay everyone we're gonna start running a little bit late so we're gonna start right away First of all, I want to say thank you to Lauren and Christina for being up here. And if you don't know me, I'm Ray. And I'm Katie. And we are hosts of our own podcast. I'm a host of a podcast called Swipe Right about relationships in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> and my podcast is called Stuff I Don't Like. And we tackle a variety of issues, including gender discrimination, racism, or, you know, just also silly millennial life, like dating as well. <laughs> so thank you to Dina for asking us to moderate this, and thanks to Christina and Lauren for being here. And Yeah, so let's start just off with a little bit of background. Like, tell us about Shoebox Bakes, Christina's company, and Tuckleberry Place. Sure. Go ahead, Christina. Um, Shoebox Bakes, that's basically the company started. Um, we do baked goods, so they're all custom made for people, um, and it just started out of my love for both food and art, so it was a perfect combination of the two. And Tickleberry Place is an indoor play space and organic restaurant opening in the South LA neighborhood. Um, the idea came about, because I know always people always ask me, like, how did you create the idea? You don't have kids. And <laughs> so, big question, but I work with kids a lot, I babysit a lot, and just being a babysitter on the weekends with a two-year-old, I was like, well, what is there to do? So I would look for places and quickly found that there was nothing in my local neighborhood. And now I'm starting to find out that people are saying there's not enough in general in Los Angeles, so I'm glad to meet that need as well. So that's how it came about. That's great. So um, Christina's questions for you. What inspired you to create your business? So, um, as mentioned, I, I've always grown up, I loved art, so um, after college I had the opportunity to work in a bakery as an artist, so I actually started creating um, like little sculpted figures, For you see a lot of those cakes on like Ace of Cakes or um, like Cake Boss, that kind of stuff, so um, I had the opportunity to share my talents in that aspect, and 
I eventually learned how to put cakes together. I learned how to decorate cookies, just fell in love with it and kind of branched off on my own and figured like, hey, this is like a really cool outlet to share both my love of art and my love of food. And I've grown up baking. I would help my mom in the kitchen a lot. So a lot of that's come from, you know, the family aspect as well as my own personal interests. So it's been really cool to share that with people who kind of share that interest as well. So. And Lauren, I know you were saying that you came up with this idea like that your neighborhood didn't have enough um, of these kind of places, mm -hmm. but what's it like working with your sister? Shout out to your twin sister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is it like working with your family so closely, mm -hmm. like running the, a business together? Um, well, let's see. It's really great because our relationship is different from other family members because we're identical twins, and so... <laughs> Our relationship is like a partnership in some ways, and um, it's actually easier. I probably wouldn't do a business with anyone else in my family but my sister. Um, <laughs> so, and it's great because she has a more analytical, scientific process and proven background, and so we have a really great balance, and so it's been really great. That's great. So for both of you, your businesses are vehicles to bring joy to others, whether it's for the kids or through baked goods. How do you try to keep that end goal of creating happiness in your day-to-day -day operations? Um, I think for me, it's like, it's, it can be challenging because I'm still like pretty early on in the business and I'm literally, I'm not only the baker or the decorator, I'm also the dishwasher. I'm the packager, I'm the delivery person. So um, I think definitely keeping that in mind and like especially when I can really make something really custom for someone and if I can personalize it in any way, like just seeing the end result of people being like so happy with like knowing that it was me just for them. I think that definitely like keeping it in the back of my mind, like it also brings me joy to bring that same joy to other people so I think that that's one of the things that really keeps me going yeah I definitely have to say the same thing that it's really hard you do do a lot of things as the founder or starter or something and it, it can be really challenging when you're making decisions that you're not really familiar with and you just have to think about the daily the goal of what you're doing this for um, and sometimes when we are interacting with because we do events prior to opening and we get to talk to our customers and just seeing them and talking to them and hearing their inspiration and their enthousi enthusiasm about us opening that's what makes me realize like okay I got to keep going so speaking of obstacles and you know kind of talking about like the nitty-gritty of it how what are like some challenges that you face trying to get these businesses off the ground and how do you like overcome those types of challenges? Well, we've had a lot of challenges. Because our business is a physical location, it's really challenging with finding a location that you want to be in your target market, your target neighborhood, finding something that has parking in LA that's <laughs> almost non-existent, but that's really critical because parents they don't want to come somewhere where they can't find parking and they're just going to not come to our, our location. So that's really important. And so finding those types of, well, experiencing those type of challenges is what's the hardest thing about having a physical location. And, and that's the thing that I deal with the most. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, I 
don't have a physical location yet, but I think, uh, so I can't even imagine what that's like, but I think definitely um, finding, like, the time, like, I know a lot of people are like, how do you do it? Because it's, like, obviously working full-time here, mm -hmm. you know, I also take classes on the side and also run this business, so I think that's, like, one of my bis biggest obstacles is, like, finding the time and managing my time appropriately, so, um, yeah, and then also obvious things like funding or, you know, yeah. those typical things you find when starting a business. Yeah. yeah, and then also, is there any, like, things that, any challenges you've had in that, where you failed and you had to learn from something that you failed at? Um, how did it make your business stronger and better, or you as a person? Yeah, I could speak to that. Um, last year, we we were planning to be open by now. We had a, signed a lease to a location, and we thought it was a great location and a great neighborhood, and we had our, our plans submitted to the L.A. County, and they were approved, but we just had a problem with the landlords, and we actually, just being in the lease for at least six months, we had to pull out of it, and we had to hire attorneys to get out of it, and it was such a really heartbreaking experience. Um, something I've learned is, like, you kind of go through, like, an entrepreneurial type of, like, depression when you hit those roadblocks, and it's really hard to pick yourself back up, and we just had to take a minute to reset, figure out our strategy, and start looking for a new space again, and I think we're kind of close to honing in our new space, and it's... You know, you build momentum and you have to gather all the people who are in your your corner just to say, you know, you know, it's been tough and they keep you going and so that's just the best way to get through it. Yeah, I think I have to agree with Lauren in that, you know, anytime you do face an obstacle, it's like how I think it's almost more important how you react to it. So it's like what are you able to control because there's going to be a lot of things that you run into that are going to be out of your control and I think it's best just to like be able to pick yourself back up and kind of keep going. I think if you attended the panel earlier, a lot of um, those entrepreneurial women, they mentioned that and I think that's like such a huge part in how you get through those obstacles. True. So what are some skills that you've learned here at Tom's that you think will help translate to your business or maybe they already do translate to what you're doing? Um, I think for me, um, I, I, sure if you know me personally, I'm often people see me as like soft-spoken and I think definitely being able to communicate with like different people, different, um, you know, whether it's like leadership or, you know, just people on your team, being, being able to communicate effectively, um, especially if you're going to be communicating with vendors or um, people you never met before having that, I guess, a sense of professionalism and being able to communicate clearly and all that, I think is, like, super important, especially when you're starting out a business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm, my role here is a user experience designer, and that's designing interfaces so that they're user-friendly. Um, I feel like that really translates very well to what I do because now I'm taking that love for making experiences better and putting it into a physical place, a physical location where people can experience <coughs> our restaurant, our play space, and really find that it's something that meets their needs as a customer. Um, so for any budding entrepreneurs here, do you have any advice for people just trying to get a business off the ground, up and running, like you guys have been? 
Uh, it takes a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, just takes a lot of time, definitely a lot of drive and baby steps. Yeah, and just keep going and have faith that it'll work out. And also have a strategy with the faith because sometimes you just kind of shoot at it and you're like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. And I realize, like, I don't, you know, it's not going to work. But having a strategy and also being faithful and keep going because you're going to experience those rough times. Yeah, I was going to say, definitely have a plan, have a strategy, as Lauren said, um, but then also know that things aren't always going to go your way, and just be able to, you know, be able to adapt and, you know, make those changes and make those decisions where you can just keep moving forward. Do you guys, I guess, have any sort of specific resources, any books that may have helped you, or websites people can refer to if they say if I have an idea but I literally don't know where to start I just have it in my head how how would you recommend people that just don't know anything take an action to to learn yeah um I think I I google a lot of things so literally if you google like how to start a business but um also looking into um I think if you look in your local like like LA business bureau um like how to start a business, I know specifically for um, food stuff, there's like cottage food laws where, you know, you can sell, you can actually sell stuff that you make outside of your home, it just has to follow certain restrictions, so, um, and like looking into things like they have small craft fairs, like for Unique LA or farmer's markets, like starting in those smaller places is like a really great resource for, at least for like food stuff. Yeah, definitely. I would have to agree. And there are a lot of nonprofit organizations and business centers all over the city that help people with writing a business plan and taking classes on financing and writing out your projections. And they are offering the service for free, too, a lot of the times. And they can coach you. And I feel like that's the best place to start because if maybe they won't be able to help you after you get past that point, they can at least help you create a solid foundation for your next step. So that's one of the best things. That's great. Yeah. Uh, what are some myths about entrepreneurship that you think need to be dismantled, especially those that impede women from being entrepreneurs? Hmm. That's a good question. Um. <laughs> <laughs> one myth that I would say is that I think a lot of times we glorify companies and entrepreneurs when they make it, and that's a myth because you don't see all the things that happen in between to get when to when in order for them to get there. Um, and I think that's kind of one of those glorified myths, like oh you made it, but really it's just an ongoing process of really trying to a accomplish a goal that's bigger than yourself as an entrepreneur. Uh, I think for me, what actually kind of struck me when um, I think it was Lynn from the Three Weavers, she kind of mentioned like how, you know, especially for women, once you make it to the top or to the top, um, once you're in that like kind of like executive level, you kind of almost have to be a, like a bitch. But um, <laughs> I think, you know, it's kind of unfortunate that women are perceived that way. It's like, you're just trying to be just as strong as like the guy like you almost have to prove yourself that much more in order to be in that position to get your point across so I don't know if that's really a myth but um I think I don't know it's just 
I just feel like it's like just that much harder for a woman to like mm-hmm. make sure that like she per- she has to perceive herself that way in order to like achieve those goals. So I'm not sure that's a myth, but yeah, I, that struck me earlier. Have either of you, I guess, faced those sort of gender barriers? I know for Christina, you're probably doing stuff yourself so maybe it doesn't factor in but like uh, Lauren you mentioned you know mm-hmm. negotiating leases especially because you know you're younger yeah. you're a woman a woman of color has yeah. that impacted you in any way um it probably has it, I'm I probably am experiencing like a lot more challenges than if I were a male because I noticed that sometimes males have a lot of connections and they can get things done faster because you know there's a lot of resources for them and so I'm I feel like that probably is the case for me where because I'm a female and a woman of color um, it's a lot more challenging and I certainly see myself going to a lot of these events where there are men who own businesses that are large corporation restaurants that have chains and I'm sitting in the room and they're all wearing suit and ties I'm like I'm the only woman here and not to mention I'm the only black one so (laughs) it's really a like a it's sort of humbling and I always have to validate myself like I belong here. I have to say that when I walk in the room because otherwise I would see myself just kind of closing in and feeling like, what am I doing here? I don't know what I'm doing, but I just have to say I belong here. That's great. <laughs> Christina, do you want to add or do you have anything to add? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I, it reminds me of the panel earlier. I think it was the woman from Cool House, not sure, but she said something like, uh, I didn't know, a wall is a lot easier to walk through if you don't know it's there. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of times we as women, we as, you know, people of color, we sort of internalize a lot of expectations that people may place upon you, but really, like, if you don't place those upon yourself, you can do whatever you want to do, and I think that's the great thing about International Women's Day and (laughs) celebrating women. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to thank you guys for taking the time and kind of open up any questions the audience has for Lauren and Christina. Hila. Well, first of all, I wanted to thank you both. You're very inspiring, and um, I can see the passion that you both have for um, your businesses. I'm curious if there was a moment or um, maybe an experience that you had that um, sort of was your light bulb of, okay, this is no longer a hobby, and it's going to become my business and sort of um, part of my lifestyle. So if you can share that with us. I think for me, um, growing up, um, you know, as, as being, like, an Asian-American woman and, like, having that stereotypical, like, Asian mom being like, oh, you should have been a lawyer, you should have been a doctor, <laughs> like, not to say she wasn't supportive of whatever choices I made, because she was, but at one point, I know my mom, when she saw, like, she's like, why are you working in a bakery? Like, that's, like, a, you know, loan-paying job, that's, like, a not... You have, a, you have a degree, you have an education, why are you working there? But I think at one point she saw, she's like, oh, hey, like, you can actually, like, people are actually asking her to ask me to make stuff for their parties, you know? And then she's like, oh, people will pay you for this? You know? <laughs> um, I think at that point she was like, oh, well, when I started to see her get excited about, like, oh, well, you know, one day 
maybe um, I can help you like open your business. I'll help you wash the dishes. I'll help you do stuff. So I think that for me it was like, oh, okay, like seeing just having her support was almost like, okay, maybe that's something that's okay that I pursue. That's an interesting question because I guess in some ways babysitting is sort of a hobby, but sort of not. And, <laughs> and um, yeah, I just realized, you know, it became a business when I decided, like, I'm going to do this. And not knowing what I was doing and just reaching out to people and finding all the resources that I needed to get started, that's when I realized that it wasn't a hobby. And especially once we found our location, I was like, this is real now. <laughs> this is not something to take lightly. So that's when it really became real. Yeah. Any, other Any questions? more questions? Oh, sorry. So I'm curious about if either of you have had um, an opportunity to access um, funding that goes along with being minority-owned business in Los Angeles. Um, and, and if so, how did you go about that? I have not yet. Um, I'm not sure. Well, there are a lot of resources in terms of business centers that help you get financing, like small business loans. Um, but outside of that, it's really difficult to find any other type of funding options. I realize that it's a challenge, and I'm like, well, how do people make it? So I haven't yet, actually. It's something that, because I've experienced that, I'm like, I really hope once I make it that I can reach back and help another entrepreneur like myself and help them get their business funded. So do you, I guess, rely upon your own funding? You don't have any investors? Um, I have, I've been working, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, relying on myself. Um, and right now, which is probably, it's probably not too big of a news, um, but I'm leaving, and that's one of the reasons why is because I have to get an investor, and it's it's a challenge, and I realize that it's something I have to commit to, and and I just I don't know, I really am excited to do it, but I'm also nervous because I don't know where to start, and I'm just asking all these questions, and so yes, that's that's where we're going for, yeah, I'm an investor. That's great, Natasha. Inspiration from whether that's other women entrepreneurs or men or family or anyone, just kind of where you draw inspiration from. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I think. Do you have someone? Or uh, yeah, I mean, I think definitely, as I mentioned, my mom's like huge inspiration to me. Um, just as far as like um, knowing. Like, you always hear stories of, like, how your parents, your, if your parents have immigrated here, how they have that dream, you know, the American dream. So I think just that opportunity is, like, kind of inspiring to me, saying, like, okay, she went through all this to make sure I even have the opportunity to do this. So that's kind of inspiring. As far as, like, my, like, actual content of the stuff that I create, I think just seeing, like, you know, just little things like following certain people on Instagram. Like, there's so many great artists out there that is, like, really inspiring. And to know that, like, hey, we've done this. Like, we can do it. And, you know, I've worked in a couple bakeries, and they're both owned and run by women. So that's kind of been inspiring to me, knowing that, like, these women, you know, they were able to have children. They bought their children to the bakery. 
while they're decorating cakes and like knowing like hey they're so committed so that's also an inspiration for me um i would have to say that i listen to a lot of podcasts um how i built this is one of the podcasts i listen to and that's kind of where i draw my inspiration um just hearing their stories their challenges their wins and their advice just keeps me going, so I would say that's one of the best ways for me where I get inspiration. Richard? What would you say are maybe the top two personality traits that you have that make you a successful entrepreneur, whether it's you know, perseverance or optimism or mm -hmm. being resourceful or mm -hmm. vision? Like, you know, what makes you guys? Good question, Richard. I was just telling my best friend on the way here. I was like, "Oh man, I realized that my best one of my um, my traits is I'm driven and I I'm committed. Like I don't let anything stop me. I keep going. Um, if it's not there's one day, I always take something. There's something if it's even small, I do something for my business so that there's some type of progress that's happening. So it's something that's just like programmed in me that I just keep going at it. I don't let it stop. Um, and then I would say my empathy and my creativity and my my ability to see things from um, the customer point of view um, is definitely a strength of mine. Um, I guess one of my strengths I would say is probably creativity, I guess. Like I'm always trying to think of like different ways to do things. I'm as I said, I follow, you know, quite a few bakers on Instagram or, you know, online and just seeing, like, what they're doing to innovate the field and trying to apply the same way because, um, you know, part of the reason I did decide to branch off on my own was because everybody was kind of following a book and I was like, well, I think it would be better, like, this way. So being able to express that creativity. Um, and then the other one, I guess, also being kind of driven, like, always constantly trying to improve myself and you know, I'll, I'll push myself to just keep doing things like over and over um, and just improving the process and mm -hmm. how I work and everything. So, yeah. um, so I think with people who are wanting to start businesses, um, there's tons of ideas that you have, right? The things that you want to do. I think one of the hardest things to do is actually doing it. <laughs> so um, what is one of the first steps that you took in saying, like, okay, I want to start this this is the first step that I'm going to take you for and I like to step back. I can go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say, okay, I guess my experience is kind of unique because when I started to implement the process of starting, I was in um, a program and it was, a, called, it was called Self-Expression Leadership Program and you had a community project that you were working on, and it was a three-month program, and so I picked my business as my project. And they have you meet every week, and you sit in the class, and then you have a coach, and every week you have like this goals or accountability list, and okay, what are the top three things you're gonna get done this week for your business? And who's gonna help you do it? So you would have to write somebody you knew, or um, a person, or a friend of a friend who was related to that particular goal or the industry and so that's what I think that's where I gained the muscle of continuing to continue to go and every week having those goals and being driven and so that was something 
that pushed me in the space of like, I don't know what I'm doing. This is a really big thing that I'm working on. Um, just taking those small baby steps. And then also going to one of those business resources and, and then helping you write out your business plan, I think it makes it a little bit more real because then you have an idea of what your business is about and you keep refining it and refining it as you go. Yeah, I think um, also like don't just like keep it to yourself. I think it's important that you share your ideas with you know other people who have that same experience or even just like your family and friends because I think if they see that like you're excited about something, they'll get excited and then they kind of almost like encourage you to like keep going, keep pushing and you know, you're, you can bounce off ideas from people who may not have the same, um, you know, perspective that you do, so they can, you know, lend their ideas too, and you can just continue to grow, and it kind of just snowballs from there, I feel like. Awesome. Well, Christine, Lauren, thank you so much. We're so honored to have you here at Tom's and be a part of the Tom's community and also like growing on your own and getting to see all the progress you've come and we're excited to see you cha change the world. And yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Stuff I Don't Like podcast. If you did like what you heard today, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes and the podcast app. Also, do yourself a favor and follow me on the gram. My feed is lit. You will enjoy it for sure at underscore stuff I don't like. You can also stream the show on SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just visit stuffidontlike.net for a complete listing of all the places you can find my show. Thanks, and come back next Sunday at 9.30 p.m. for a new episode. Bye.